Good morning, afternoon, evening, and welcome to the 8311 cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ari Umberry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talked about college basketball, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 204. With the 21-13 49ers win over Seattle this week, Brock Purdy has not only joined an exclusive club with Aaron Rodgers of rookie quarterback since 1950 to have a passer rating of 115-plus in each of their first two career starts, but he also leads the 2022 quarterback rookies with six touchdowns on the season. Other 2022 QB rookies with touchdowns are Bailey Zapp. I don't know if that's pronounced. Zapp- Zappy. Zappy. I didn't want to like say the E and make it. Make it be dumb. Uh, it is dumb. <laughs> you said it. Uh, for the New England Patriots for five touchdowns. Uh, Kenny Pickett, of course, for the Steelers for four touchdowns. And Bryce Perkins for the Los Angeles Rams for one touchdown on the season. Brock Purdy, best quarterback on the 49ers. Is he in the rookie of the year conversation all of a sudden? Who? I, I don't know who all no the way. rookies are. I don't I know just who don't... all the rookies are. Normally, well, it it's going to be given to uh, Aiden Hutchinson, probably. Yeah, okay, Aiden Hutchinson or Sauce Gardner. Mm-hmm. Sauce Gardner for yeah as well. Is, Even is if you wanted only... to give it to a, an offensive player, Kenny Pickens, not Pickett. Yeah, the he's not even playing right now. Oh, George Pickens. Oh, is, oh, is it George? Pick- yeah, George Pickens. Pickens. The wide receiver. Pickett. Okay. Pickens, whatever the wide receiver one for the Steelers is. He's done as well as his quarterbacks allow him to. I just don't yeah, think Purdy's right. had enough playing time yet. I, I don't disagree with you, but I didn't know who any of the rookies who were doing well were, so I figured out. Quality-wise, he should be. Is there um is there one award for each league in this, or is it just one total? For rookie of the year? Right, because that would rule out Pickens and uh, Sauce if they're both in the AFC. It is just one award. It is just one, okay. So then, yeah, you're right. He probably yeah. won't win it. Micah Parsons won it last year. Chase Young won it the year before. Looks like just yeah. one. And it looks like defensive players win it quite a bit. Marshawn Lattimore, Shaquille Leonard, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Micah Parsons. When's the first time? When's the last time an offensive player won it? I mean, J- Justin Herbert won it over Justin Jefferson. Good job, Justins. Which we won't talk about how that's not, not right. But anyway. Yeah. The league has an obvious quarterback bias. That, that's why I was like, does he have a chance because he's a quarterback? Anyway, no is the answer. But like we tweeted out, I think he's the best quarterback on the 49ers roster. I don't know what you guys think about that. It's my hot take. I think the jury's still out on both him and Trey Lance. I think I don't think I'd fight you saying he's better than Garoppolo, but I I don't know that he's better than Trey Lance, but I don't, he's, you know, I don't know. I, so here's my thing. Hear me out here. Brock Purdy is still at this point a flash in the pan, right? It has been two starts and one fill-in game. Essentially three games. A lot of times after a lot of film, uh, quarterbacks can regress, right? Or they can get better. What I am saying, an advocate for Jimmy Garoppolo is, look at Jimmy Garoppolo's career stats. They are nothing shiny and impressive, but the dude wins football games, right? And what matters in the NFL? Winning football games. You're dogging on a guy who did lead a 49ers team to a Super Bowl, right? Brock Purdy's yeah. never been there. Trey Lance yeah. hasn't been there. I mean, you got guys, people are bending over at the feet of Justin Herbert, 
like rating him like the next great quarterback in the league. Uh, cough, cough, people on ESPN. You know, they're looking for that media, that media, that juice to talk about. But what has Justin Herbert not done? Has he gotten his team to a Super Bowl? No, but Jimmy Garoppolo has. So you can't overshadow what Jimmy G has done. Does Jimmy G have a... Purdy hasn't gotten the chance. I understand. Purdy hasn't gotten the chance, but he's getting the chance now. Sure. So I think obviously how far the 49ers go is going to be a testament to Brock Purdy's future as the as a quarterback on this team and on this roster. But what I'm saying is too many people are counting Jimmy G out of it right now. Rightfully so. I will say the one thing that has always given me hesitancy about Jimmy Garoppolo is the best ability in the NFL is availability. Write that down. I've said that numerous times. Jimmy G often isn't available because he's often hurt. He's fragile like Anthony Davis. But the the Jimmy G slander, I don't get. Like, I don't get it. Sure, he has a very known floor and a very known ceiling. Like, you are not going to get a Patrick Mahomes 500-yard performance out of Jimmy Garoppolo where he just torches a defense. You're not. But you're getting consistent quarterback play, and with this historically great defense that they are working at right now, this season, I mean, maybe not historically great, but like seasonal great defense, that's what how we win championships. It's it's the floor ceiling thing. We've seen both the floor and the ceiling for Jimmy G. And the floor is after sitting behind the greatest quarterback that's ever played football for like 35 years or however long he didn't start. Brock Purdy has been there for in the league for less than a year, and he already seems to be comparable at the floor. And to me, he seems like he does all the things Jimmy Garoppolo does more or less just as good. He's not a runner. We know that. He's not super, super athletic, but he makes the right decisions and he manages the game and gets them to win, which are the things Jimmy Garoppolo does, but maybe he has a higher ceiling. You implied at least that what we're seeing is Brock Purdy's floor. We don't know that. Right. He's only started two games. What if this is his ceiling? That, yeah, but what I'm saying is it's so early. That, that's what's interesting to people think. That's why people want to crown it. We believe in there's always more, right? So when a quarterback sucks in his first year and you drafted him in the first round, you know, kind of like Trey Lance, um, you're like, that's not his ceiling. There's always more. There's always more. People are going to believe that until the cows come home. That's why Sammy Watkins has been on rosters for so long until today when he just got cut. If he was drafted in the fifth round, nobody's taking that guy. It's all about potential and potential potential, I guess. (laughs) You know, that that's why people are so interested, I think. But I think that him to come out and perform like this immediately it's similar to what we saw at Iowa State. He just gets it done. You say that Jimmy G wins. As far as I can tell, so does Brock Purdy. And Trey Lance, also availability is the best availability. The dude's played like 12 games since he was like 16. Right. So that's the thing. Is like, we, they, I say we. This is not a we. It, John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, the whole group there, decided that Trey Lance was going to be a guy for whatever reason during their evaluation process they thought he had some sort of it factor now if you look back at his resume he has not played a lot of games as ariana's alluded to brock purdy was a starter in high school he became a starter in college he played all four years 
Uh, yeah, it was at Iowa State. Did he win all the time? No. But take take a look at uh, just for the, the our listeners out there and, and even for people on this podcast, winning in college doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you're going to be a great NFL quarterback. Look at, uh, look at all Ohio State quarterbacks coming out of college. Uh, what's his, what's his name? The guy who, uh, was playing in the XFL. Um, Taylor Heineke. No, not Heineke. Uh, Cardero Jones. Cardero Jones. Uh, JT Barrett. Then you had the guy who came out of Ohio state as a quarterback who they transitioned to a wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns. Oh yeah. Those quarterbacks won a lot of games in college. If we knew what, in college translated to being a good quarterback in the NFL, you'd have a bajillion dollars because obviously no one has figured that out yet. There are, there are busts constantly every time there's maybe two good quarterbacks that come out of a draft at best in the first round. And then, you know, two to four that just kind of suck. Like no one's ever really figured it out. I don't, there's not a science to it. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's a hot take for a reason, right? In the end, the jury's still out, right? He's played two games. Come talk to me at the end of the regular season, and maybe we'll have more information. And maybe I'll give up a first-round pick for him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Hey, if I said it at the end of the year when he'd already won six games and taken them deep into the playoffs, no one would be like, good job, Arion, really smart. So I got to say it now, and maybe I look like an idiot. I'm, I'm willing to take that shot. I always look like an idiot. Sorry, did you have two Brock Purdy fun facts, Wyatt? We just sort of hijacked your first one. Uh, no, I said the first one already. Oh, you did? What was the first one? Sorry, I totally missed it. The first one was that Brock Purdy and Aaron Rodgers are the only two quarterbacks since 1950 to have a passer rating of 115 or more in their first two career starts. Gotcha. You there you go. Brock Purdy that. will be Aaron Rodgers' level quarterback. Hopefully a little bit less crazy. <laughs> a little bit. Isn't, isn't Jimmy G in there too? Um, What were Jimmy G's first two career starts? Yeah. I don't think he was. Good luck with that. Yeah. Uh page pulled up. Did I close it? Um let's see. It's probably gonna be back in uh twenty fourteen. No. In twenty sixteen. Uh, no, where Jacoby yeah. Brissett started some and got injured and he started some. Twenty sixteen. Right? He was two and oh. His quarterback rating was one thirteen point three that year in two games with two uh, that was six games with two starts, I guess. So have to go back and uh, this would be a lot of work. Maybe is the answer to the question. We'll say no. Wyatt, great stat. Yeah, I'm say no. Yeah, good job. Anyway, thank you for those fun facts. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, there you have it. Yeah, now we can move on from talking about an Iowa State quarterback to talking about some Iowa State basketball players. Um, yeah, uh, it was a good week for the, the Cyclone basketball team, um, specifically the women. We'll get to them in a second. Um, we'll start with the men, though, who are um, in their only game this week. Took out Western Michigan at home. Um, they never really put Western Michigan away in this game, um, but they they kept them at arm's reach the whole time. I I never really felt. I mean, this game at one point was uh, eighteen to three, I think, and the outcome of the game was never really in doubt after that. But we never buried them, um, which we were favored by like twenty three, so we ended up not covering the spread. But I mean. Right, you took a bad team at home and you you handled them. Um, so that was good. Uh, Trey King made his much anticipated Iowa State 
um, debut, um, which was good to see. Um, he was in the rotation. He didn't start, um, but he was in the rotation. He ended up playing 16 minutes. Um, my guess is that'll increase as we go along. But um, a good showing for him. Five of uh, five of six um, for field goals um, to go with two rebounds as well. Um, my at, I was I was at this game um, in the alumni pep band, which was super fun, by the way. Um, my somewhat hot take on Trey King. Trey King is the most athletic player on this team. That that that's my hot take. I mean, I'm looking up and down the roster, and nobody pops out at me as super, a super athlete. I guess Oshun would be our best athlete so far. We have a lot of Holmes, kind of ground maybe, bound yeah. guys. Yeah, Holmes a little bit. Yeah, but no, he has some explosiveness. Literally, first play in the game, he cuts straight to the rim, catches a pass, or cuts straight to the lane, catches a pass, and gets fouled. Fouled and won, I believe. Um, yeah. I believe on his first play, first play of the game, first first play of his season. Like he just has that explosiveness. They were throwing lobs to him all game, um, and he was converting on on a fair number of them. He is an athlete. How that will translate to um, through the rest of the season when there's better competition, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I don't know. But his athleticism really stood out to me um, in the game on Sunday. So I did not get to watch the game because I was driving. But a couple of things that I see on the box score that I would just be curious how you thought about it seeing the game in person. Um, on the good side, yeah, Trey King, 5 of 6 in 16 minutes, 2 steals. That looks awesome. I was excited to see that in his first game back. Also on the good side, uh, Western Michigan only shot 4 of 5 from free throw as a team. Yes. So that's nice. But I see we also only shot 4 of 8. So it looks like that game was called a little loose, if I was going to guess. On the bad side, uh, we got out-rebounded. They had, they had 11 offensive rebounds, which was pretty bad, especially when you said they were playing someone 5'10", 140. I don't love that. And then, interestingly enough, I see they shot 38.2% from three and 38.5% from two. So uh, definitely great defense inside the arc. They, they had that one guy, uh, the guy who scored 24, uh, what is it, Lamar Norman. He, would, he, was, he, was, he was on fire from three. Six at 13. Well, okay. He shot from anywhere. We'll put it that way. And he I mean, seemed six to at make 13 is good. So he was, he, was, he was shooting from anywhere. Um, so. so I'm just curious. Did you feel like we weren't rebounding well? Or did we look like we were playing a little more, uh, I guess, disciplined defense than we've seen in prior games? Did not see a ton of missed fouls by any means, but we were definitely the more athletic team. So I think some of those plays where you end up getting called for a block or something like that, we were just able to keep our feet in front of them instead. So we didn't pick up some of those fouls. Gotcha. I did not feel like we got dominated on the boards. Um, it was, it was, it was not, didn't feel like a domination on the boards. Maybe on the score sheet it did, but it didn't feel like it. I mean, we only got rebounded by one total. I just don't like seeing the offensive glass. They got 11 offensive rebounds and we got four. Although Oshun did go down. Right. He got hurt in the first half and only played six minutes. He'll be fine is my take. Um, he went to the locker room. He needed to be helped to the locker room, but he was back later in the half. He was on the, the, the elliptical, the bike there. Um, on the bench, um, joking around with the fans. So it's a, it's an ankle injury. He did participate in warm-ups for the second half, albeit a little gingerly. 
I assume um, if it was a conference game uh, or a tournament game, he would have gone. Um, but we, we just didn't need him. So uh, we, we kept him on the bench. I presume he'll be back um, for the Omaha game. Um, I don't have any insider info there. I presume he'll be back for that. Um, for sure back for the Baylor game. So that, that, that's my take on the injury. I don't think it was super severe. But it was, it was good to see. Um, one, there is one more non-conference game coming up. As I referenced, that is against Omaha on Wednesday the 21st. Um, if it doesn't get blizzarded out, um, I know there's supposed to be uh, quite the blizzard across the Midwest uh, here leading up to Christmas. Um, so potentially one more non-conference game on the 21st against Omaha. And then Big 12 play starts on New Year's Eve against Baylor. Starting our conference play with Baylor twice. We did that in football this year. Well, and we did the same thing last year, if you remember, too. Yeah, I don't like that. I hate playing Baylor. They always beat us. Last year against Baylor was the Tristan and Aruna game. You remember that? He scored like 28. Oh, I, I was so ready. I'm like, this guy is a guy. Kansas messed up. And then that's like 50% of his points for the whole year in that game. Anyway, I digress. So 6 o'clock Wednesday, if it doesn't get snowed out against Omaha, is all we got for this week. Over on the women's side, it was even a more successful week um, for the women. They played number 25 um, Villanova in Connecticut in some sort of event, the Hall of Fame Women's Showcase. I, I don't know exactly all the details of it. Um, but it was a very good showing um, from the Cyclones. They took control of this game early. Um, they did have another long scoring drought, which you don't love to see. Um, from two minutes remaining in the first half until uh, five minutes into the third quarter, they didn't score. Um, so they really need to clean up those scoring droughts. Um, luckily for them, they were already up by 20 um, when the scoring drought occurred. So they were able to weather it and still keep this game at arm's reach. Um, but that's the biggest thing is that the team really just needs to clean up these scoring droughts. They can't have these long scoring droughts. Um, they'd had it against Iowa around the same time as well. Um, and we just can't have that if uh, they're going to compete um, for a national championship, which, which we think they might be capable. So, But overall, no complaints when you beat a top 25 team on a neutral site by 12 points. Um, highlights were Ashley Jones and um, Emily Ryan, who both had double-doubles. Jones, points and rebounds, and Ryan was points and assists. She was pretty close to a triple-double, right? She had like seven assists, or seven rebounds too, I think. She had nine rebounds. She was nine a rebound, rebound short yeah. of a triple-double. She had 16, 9, and 10. Pretty good game. And, and Soros actually had a double-double too, 14 points, 11 rebounds. So three double-doubles in that game and almost a triple-double. Very, very good game um, by the starters. It was, it was very good, very good, very well played. Destroyed him on the glass. I rebounded him 42 to 25 on the glass as well. Ooh. I mean, it does help that, you know, Iowa State only missed 30 shots and well, 40 shots, I guess, when you add the threes. And, and uh, Villanova missed like 55. That does make a difference in the rebounding. Anyway, um, that, was, that was the weekend cycle in basketball. Upcoming for the women is Drake. Um, that game, again, also if it doesn't get blizzarded out, is on Thursday the 22nd at 5 p.m. Frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if that game gets canceled. The men's game might get in on Wednesday, but Thursday, I, uh, I don't know about that. 
So we'll see. Keep an eye on the weather for that one. Any other thoughts on Cyclone Basketball, anybody? Mm-mm. All right. Kyle, we'll throw it over to you. Describe. I think this was one of the best weeks. Um, this is probably the best week of the NFL so far, in my opinion. I'll, I'll let you guys talk on that more, but tell us what happened. Arguably one of the wildest weeks in the NFL. So we started out fairly fairly reserved and contained with a nice little 21 to 13 victory for the San Francisco 49ers. They wrap up the NFC West do the 49ers at 10 and four. They have already locked up a playoff spot uh, in the NFC. Brock Purdy, as we talked about, did play well in that game. Uh, He had a nice little fake double uh, pump and then to Kittle over the middle. Christian McCaffrey did have a huge workload in this game and will all Kyle Shanahan led offenses. You don't love that, especially when Christian McCaffrey's so injury prone. But the Niners get a win. We did have some Saturday football action thanks to the college football season being over. The first game of the day on Saturday made history, Mike. The Vikings completed the largest comeback victory in NFL history, coming back from 33 points down at halftime. I mean, Mike, at one point you were saying, I'm glad I'm really not in front of a TV because this game doesn't look like it's worth watching. To any of this game, um, I, I was otherwise um, otherwise busy. But yeah, I, I, I had basically given up on the first half. I even started checking my phone um, for scores. And then all of a sudden I checked back and, and they're down eight points. And I'm like, okay, well, now I got to keep an eye on this just in case. Yeah, it it was absolutely wild. I mean, 33 down at halftime is a significant deficit. Um, it's significant. Obviously, as we said, largest comeback in NFL history. And the even to that aspect, the Colts put on an additional three points in the third quarter, but in the Vikings only scored 14. So at one point, it was still 36 to 14 going into the fourth quarter. But the Vikings score 22 points in the fourth quarter. Justin Jefferson came up big. Adam Thielen had a touchdown. Kirk Cousins threw another touchdown to Dalvin Cook uh, for a gain of a 64-yard touchdown with the two-point conversion that was successful to force overtime. That score, that final score was at 2 minutes and 28 seconds left on the clock uh, with the Colts still having a possession uh, before halftime. And then Grave Joseph getting the... Game-winning field goal with seven seconds left. In what was that his third or fourth game-winning kick? This He's season, quite a few times. Yeah, this season. Well, it's got to be quite a few because the Vikings have pretty much darn near played every single close game in the NFL this season. They have only won one game by more than one possession, and that that was Week One. So let me let me look through this. Um, is it 10, 10 and one in one score games this yeah, year, or is it ten and zero? Oh? Ten and zero. Oh, ten and zero. Oh. They have not lost yeah, a one score game. They're one and three in more than one score games. The interesting part about that is there there are two parts to it, right? Like one, the Vikings should not get down 33 to the Colts. The Colts are not a good team, and the Colts are getting coached by a dude who's never coached college or uh, NFL before. So like that's bad. But then you're an NFL team full of NFL players. Nobody should give up a 33 point lead. No one ever has given up a 33 point lead. So like I don't know who performed worse on the day but uh w's w right so the the vikings are going to keep going their way through the season they are the chosen team of fate right now they cannot do anything wrong honestly for the most part the vikings defense did a bulk majority of their job in that first half 
two touchdowns came off of an interception return touchdown and a block punt return touchdown. You know, they only gave up one passing touchdown and one, two, three, four field goals. So the Vikings defense gave up six, eight, 18 points in that first half, 18 of the 33. Four field goals and touchdown. That was all they gave up in that first half. The de- the defense. So. so the defense didn't play horrible. It's just the offense got nothing going in that first half. It came alive in the second half. Kirk Cousins did unfortunately make a pretty costly mistake. Say, in that Kirk first didn't half. look great in that game. But he ended with a 460 right. yeah, yards exactly. stat line. Four touchdowns, you know, two interceptions, a 99.3 like passer rating if you just hear this stat line he was 34 54 for 460 yards four touchdowns and two interceptions you Seven say, sacks. well but that's not his fault that's not his what it depends. It, depends on the sack. it depends on the, i'm just saying i i understand he, he he didn't have a great he didn't have a bad stat line but he didn't look great in the game when i was watching it yeah, my 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 brother um, was at the game, and I definitely got a text um, at one point during the game, and that said, uh, "What what exactly did it say?" It said, "Man, from this angle, you can really see all the open receivers Kirk is missing." <laughs> <laughs> I that's this that's a similar sentiment that people were saying about Tua Tagovailoa when he played out in L.A. But that's interesting to hear that uh, and live from the game, but. Not to overshadow it, like we've said before, in the NFL, all you have to do is win, right? Winning is the only thing that matters. The Vikings won. Um, man, what a what a crazy game. The the second game on Saturday, snoozer, uh, thirteen to three, Browns over the Ravens. The Ravens aren't playing well uh, without Lamar Jackson. Shocker! Uh, it's almost like Lamar Jackson does a lot for that team pretty much everything but catch the ball which they're not very good at or kick the ball in which they have one of the best kickers in the history of the nfl to do that but he didn't look like but he didn't look like it uh this week he missed two field goals so yeah yeah he's he's human after all yeah i'm not blaming him but i was just just saying and then the saturday night cap uh in this josh allen played Pretty well in this game, 25 of 40, 304 yards. The Bills did have to uh, hold off the the Dolphins in this game. The Dolphins did go up late. The running game for the Dolphins got going uh, to some extent. Tua did have a pretty low passer rating uh, in the, or well, he had a good passer rating, but he didn't have a high completion percentage in this game. The and it was just the Bills were too much uh, as they get the three point victory. Uh, and keep their firm grasp on first place in the AFC. Yeah, the Dolphins just kind of stopped running it, even though it was working really, really well, and I do not know why. Especially in the weather, it started snowing at the end, and they were like, we'll just throw now, even though we were gashing them in the run game. It seems like a lot of Kyle Shanahan coaching tree uh, coaches seem to get away from the run game pretty quickly. Uh, in game plans, Kyle Shanahan himself uh, going all the way back to the Super Bowl that they played in against the Chiefs. They got away from the run game when they shouldn't have. Dolphins got away from it in this game. Um, and the list kind of just goes on and on. But yeah, the Dolphins should have kept running the ball. Raheem Mostert, 17 carries for over 130 yards on the ground. He had a really good game uh, for that team or for, for the Dolphins uh, in Buffalo. But the... 
storyline is just when the Bills did. Uh, roll that into the Chiefs. They somehow take the Texans to overtime uh, in a game that the Chiefs just kept trying every which way to let the Texans win this game. Uh, missed field goal at the end of regulation by Harrison Butker. He hasn't kind of seemed like he's been right all season ever since the week one injury. Uh, on the kickoff, the Houston Texans did um, take the Chiefs to overtime. They got the ball after stopping the Chiefs on the Chiefs' for first possession, but Frank Clark was able to force a fumble. Willie Gay recovered it, and then the next play from scrimmage, Jarek McKinnon, McKinnon scampers in from 28 yards out for a walk-off touchdown. Uh, just win, baby. It's all, all that matters. Uh, unfortunately... For the Cowboys, they did, were on the wrong side uh, of the win-loss column this week. The Jags, however, have been playing really well of late uh, behind Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Trevor Lawrence helping Mike win a fantasy league, uh, a couple fantasy Suck it, games Wyatt. this year. Suck it, Wyatt. Shout out to that. Taking down Ooh. the highest scoring team in our league this year. But Trevor Lawrence was good, 27 of 42. 318 yards, four touchdowns, only one interception in this game. Uh, Travis Etienne over 100 yards rushing as Dak Prescott makes a very costly mistake in overtime in this game uh, with a interse interception that was returned for a walk-off touchdown. Uh, the Jaguars have put themselves in really good position. Ca Dallas drops a game going into the NFC East showdown next week which news broke today that Jalen Hurts is questionable and poss potentially doubtful to play in that showdown next week in week I just, 16. I just saw that they say he has a sprained throwing shoulder. Right. So that's not great. He sustained it in the third quarter. He can still run. He had three rushing touchdowns against the Chicago Bears, but <laughs> that is obviously not great if you are a quarterback. Uh, and this was on a play where he was kind of driven into the ground, supposedly, uh, which goes back to why the NFL is attempting so hard not to get defensive linemen to land on quarterbacks, because what happens in this situation, you have a huge showdown where Dallas and the Eagles were on a on a collision course for this game. But now Jalen Hurts doesn't play. You don't have as much interest in the game. I hate the term. I hate the term driven into the ground how are you supposed to tackle a man what you throw him up in the air like you tackle people to the ground it's what happens you know i don't know these dudes I... are giant. there was a call during the bills game where there was a massive fight on the sideline because a 300 pound man couldn't magically stop his momentum when you know josh allen was running to the sideline and hit him he tried to hold him up but he hit him and then everybody got upset like quarterbacks are gonna get hit they're not pretty pretty princesses it's football still get over it you get hit that's true. It, at least if it's going to be called, make it consistent or don't call it. I, I don't know what to it. say. I was I was on the it, I won't say it cost the Chiefs a victory earlier this season when they lose to the Colts, but it was a largely influential play in that game as the Chiefs were going to stop the Colts on a third down and that call gave them a first down. Uh, so I'm all for it, don't call it. But then again, when your star quarterback gets hurt, you're like, well, it should have been called. So I don't know. There's more media, uh, more uh, fuel for the media to talk about there. Uh, 
what the media can't start talking about and what I'm going to talk about right now is the Detroit Lions are 500. Overrated. <laughs> and there's your media for you, this blowing it out of proportion. NFC I, I will North say, bias. I will say, though, the Jets needed to win this game, right? If you are the Jets, Mike White is hurt, isn't able to play. Zach Wilson being benched on the sideline. Zach Wilson needed to prove it in this game that he could be the quarterback of the New York Jets, the guy that they drafted number two overall going forward. He needed to prove it that he could come in, step up, make plays, and lead this team to victory. I think in this game, Zach Wilson officially cemented uh, the like a loss of of work for the New York Jets. I don't know where he'll land as a quarterback if he will. Uh, as a backup somewhere in the league, potentially, but Zach Wilson did not show enough in this game to uh, make a case for him to be the starting quarterback of the Jets going forward. The Detroit Lions come in and do what they need to win the game. I want to defend Zach Wilson here a little bit, which is unlike me. I mean, in the end, 18 for 35, not the greatest completion percentage, but he threw for 317 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, passer rating of 90. No, it was not an inspiring performance. It wasn't fantastic, but it right. What 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 did you what do you want out of Zach Wilson? First play of the final drive, Zach Wilson steps back to pass. Zach Wilson sacked for negative nine yards. Uh, next play, Zach Wilson steps back to so pass. So Zach's aren't Kirk Cousins' fault, but they are Zach Wilson's fault. On the final drive of the game, when you're trying to lead a game-winning drive, you can't take a sack. He just doesn't do an. I don't care if he threw for 317 yards. The Lions' defense is atrocious. It is. I mean, they've gone, I, what, six and something since they started one and seven? Like, right. They're good enough to not lose them all those games. Or the offense is doing enough. The, the Jets have. Talking about the Lions being overrated, the Jets have probably been overrated this entire year. I agree. They played a relatively easy schedule to start the season yeah but i what i would say what i'm saying is zach wilson didn't do enough i'm not saying that he did that he performed well and that like that he didn't perform well in this game what i am saying is that he did not do enough to maintain hit the the name of franchise quarterback for the new york jets i agree with you there he's definitely not a franchise quarterback the franchise quarterback but are they just going to try their luck with the number 17 pick in the draft again? I mean, they have draft capital. They're going to go out and get they have draft capital and they have one of the largest salary caps going into the offseason this year. They're going to go and get an experienced veteran quarterback, Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo. The least inspiring, honestly. Like, <laughs> we're I don't gonna care, but all right. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know what you're going to get. Right. Le- From Lamar Zach Jackson Wilson, is though, you agent. don't know what you're going to get. But here's my thing. We've seen Jimmy Garoppolo with the 49ers, and as you stated, historically great defense. Uh, you know, do the Jets have a historically great defense? Do the Jets have no. a Debo Samuels? Do the Jets have a Christian? McCaffrey, how good is uh, how good is Jimmy Garrett, G going to be there? Garrett, Garrett Wilson, Wilson and Brees Garrett Hall Wilson are, is phenomenal. Brees Hall is a great back. Brees Hall, we don't know. 
Brees Hall played for like four games. We'll see how he comes back from the knee injury. Yeah, they, Wilson, they, drafted, they drafted very well on the offensive line. I'm just saying. I don't they think the Jets have as good of a surrounding core. So I don't believe that Jimmy G will right. be as good with the Jets as he is with the Niners. They have they have some of the most money in the league to spend this season. Fair. They you can go out and plug and play. Plug and go and play get those Lamar pieces. Jackson. Go get Lamar Jackson then. Now that would be something. Right. That would be awful. The Ravens should disband if they let Lamar Jackson leave. Just be done. That would be be foolish. That would be, I mean, that would be wild. But there, could Derek Carr leave the Raiders? Possibly. They have the draft capital to trade for Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a huge upgrade over Zach Wilson and a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo, I would say. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So there's options in the quarterback free agent market this year. But Zach Wilson, sorry, you are on your way out of New York. He'd be a great backup, probably, if he could fix his attitude. Yes. I don't think they like the optics around him. And No, the Jets are going to keep him as a backup. There, yeah, okay. I thought you meant the Jets keep him. No, no, that'd be bad. We'll move off the Lions. Mike thinks they're overrated. I just wanted to highlight that the Lions have been playing some good football. And the Dan Campbell era, they seem to seem to want to play for that guy. Uh they're playing some inspiring football. I mentioned Derek Carr in the Las Vegas Raiders. They found a way to win on a wild final play. Stuff that you can't really even fathom up until you actually go and watch that video. If we are able to find the video, Arian, you should you should retweet it or like quote tweet that. Oh, I can find uh, it. It's been posted it a million was, times. It was wild. I don't even know what they're doing. Uh, the New England Patriots coached by Bill Belichick. This is not stuff that you typically see. Ramondre Stevenson takes the ball inside handoff, runs around quite a bit. Then he laterals to Jacoby Myers with zero seconds left on the clock. They're at the 35 yard line going in and Jacoby Myers just takes the ball and sees Mac Jones about 40 yards back downfield and is like, It'd probably be good if I threw it to Mac Jones. Oh, my God. Throws it back down the field. Chandler Jones is waiting. He catches it, stiff arms Mac Jones (laughs) into the ground, and runs it in for a walk-off Raiders touchdown. It was such an ugly pass, too. That thing went higher than it did far. Like, there was all the time in the world for a defender to get there. It was was like a punt. (laughs) It was horrible. And then just takes Mac Jones' lunch money and shoves his face into the dirt. And then just runs it in. Like, I, the worst part about it, I was like, why? Who called that? Whoever called that needs to be fired. And then after the game, the players say that that wasn't even called. It was just a run play and then run out the clock. And then Ramon De Stevens decides to do whatever he does, and then we all do that. It's wild. I don't necessarily blame Stevenson either because he knew where he was throwing it, right? If you make a very conservative lateral on but that why? play, I don't You're necessarily at the boundary, blame though. He's Just like, go they out. were both pinned into the boundary. I, I will give credit. We You said, like, a, a, you know, a Bill Belichick team doesn't do that. Credit to the Patriots culture a little bit, though, because Stevens. Uh, the guy that I just forgot the name of who made that god-awful pass, and Mac Jones. Jacoby Jacoby Myers. Myers. Every single, all three of those dudes said, that's 100% on me. I made the mistake, and I should have done better. He said I should have gone down and not lateraled it. He said I should have made a better pass and, you know, not thrown it to the other team. And then Mac Jones said I should have 
tackled the guy instead of getting my face mashed. And I'm like, well, at least they, you know, they take responsibility. But what the heck are we doing out there? That's wild. Just the stupidest play I've seen in a long, long time. In situational football, you got to be smarter than that. Like this game was destined for overtime and yeah. And they wanted to go home, I guess. (sighs) I guess so. They were like, we don't like our chances on a coin flip. So that was the second. That was the second walk off touchdown by a defense with no time on the clock ever in NFL history. And the other one was in 1960 by the Patriots for I believe they were playing the New York Titans or something. So that lets you know how long ago that was, because that's not even a team. Really good. Good stuff. Uh, on to teams that played better, though, in this week. The, the Cincinnati Bengals cruised to victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, the Buccaneers just look out of sorts. They can't find the end zone when they get into the red zone. Uh, things just aren't going Tom Brady's way this year, but it's kind of what happens when you lose a lot of key players for that team. Uh, you can only run it back so many times. And there's that. The Tennessee Titans are losers of four straight. The reason I highlight this is because they are still in first place in their division because it is a very weak division at seven and seven, but the Jaguars have an outside chance. They've already beaten the Titans once. uh, And this is a team that could find their way into the AFC playoffs as in the final game of the season, the Jacksonville Jaguars have to play none other than the Tennessee Titans. So, and that is a home game for Jacksonville. So this is going to shape up very interestingly for the AFC South. I will highlight that a little bit later as a part of my write that down prediction. But I am going to just quickly uh, gloss over the playoff picture for both the NFC and the AFC as there are only three weeks. Yes, three weeks left in the regular season. So first in the NFC, Philadelphia Eagles have a uh, firm hold on the number one overall seed, the only seed that gets a bye. Minnesota Vikings at two, 49ers three, Buccaneers at four, uh, being winners of the NFC South currently. Uh, Dallas Cowboys would match up against the Bucks as the five seed. Giants match up against the Niners as the six seed. And the Washington Commanders are currently in as the seven seed as they would play the uh, Minnesota Vikings. That would be a rematch of a game played this season. Uh, Over in the AFC, the Buffalo Bills, as I mentioned already, have a firm hold on the number one overall seed uh, with that head-to-head win over the Chiefs. The Chiefs are the two seed, Bengals three, Titans four, as I mentioned before, but watch out for that in the last three weeks of the season. Baltimore Ravens at five with the opportunity to move into the three seed with when they play the Bengals in the last game in the season. Chargers at six, Dolphins at seven. There are a whole host of other teams knocking on the door still right now, so it could be and is shaping up to be a wild ride in the final three weeks of the NFL season. And that is what we have. And for Mike's stupid rules this week, we're still talking about football. And I think I know what you're talking about here because we're talking about an interesting kickoff loophole that was had this season, correct? Yeah. So this actually happened um, not in week 15, but back in week 14. Um, and uh, just got brought to my attention. So if any of you are watching that Thursday night game between the 
Raiders and the Rams. Um, this was last Thursday. You noticed that um, the Raiders had a holder um, on the kickoff, but which, I mean, you see every once in a while, right? If it's windy, you have a holder so the ball doesn't blow down. But then you think about it and you're like, wait, the Rams play in a dome. So I was a little confused about it when I saw it, so, um, but didn't wait, think anything hold on. more of it. Wasn't it at the Raiders? No, it was at the Rams. So uh, the reason why I say that is the the Rams is still technically open air. It is an open air stadium. It's not a dome. It just has a roof over the top. Huh. So you still get wind conditions in there. Huh. Remember, that's really why in the there. Super Bowl, that's why in the Super Bowl, there was a lightning delay. Hmm. It's a roofed stadium, I guess. Probably the only one of those. Interesting. Anyway, I was confused because it was indoors-ish. But essentially what was happening is um, the Raiders and Daniel Carlson and the Raiders had come up with something and um, talked to the league about it. They had the holder holding the ball up on the side of the tee, essentially, instead of in the tee. Um, the Raiders were holding the ball up on the side of the tee. Daniel Carlson had discovered that this um, gave him more lift on the ball. Um, so we wanted to do that to get more air on the ball, kick it further, in theory. Um, and like I said, they, they, talk, they asked the league about this before they did it, and the league said, yep, go ahead. But the league actually um, went back on this later. After this happened, um, they they went back and they said, uh, "Just kidding, no, um, you're not. Gonna, we're not going to do that anymore." So the rule says that you can place the ball on the tee in any manner desired, as long as the um, as long as the um, tee is only in its natural upright position. Um, so that, that's that's the ruling. That's essentially how the rules interpreted. Um, but so personally, based on the rules, I don't see how this was ruled illegal. There's nothing in the rules that say you have to put the ball in the tee. Just that it has to be on the tee in any manner. Um, I personally think the NFL got this right originally and long after that. Wyatt, I don't know if you have any thoughts. I'll let you go ahead, Aaron, because I have some historical okay. context for you. Yeah, so my understanding of why they said it couldn't be is because they said the T has to be regulation one inch. It can only be one inch off of the ground. But the, so the interesting is. part about this is no, so regulation T. Well, sure. I I don't know. So I think how it comes from it, uh, apparently, when I was reading this article, uh, it, you used to be able, people used to just make T's out of the dirt by themselves. And then apparently people made some pretty big tees and they regulated that size. And then they decided to make it so you couldn't make it out of dirt and it had to be one inch off the ground. But I think the way that they're deciding that is that it is not true to the spirit of the rule that it is regulated at one inch off of the ground. Being in the... Let me me dig in a little bit deeper what you just said there, because I I read the same article. I'm assuming you saw it from Football Zebras, which is a fantastic resource for everything uh, officiating and rules related for not just football, but uh, other sports as well. So 1932 was the first year that professional football created their own rules instead of using college rules. Right. And in that rule book, they permitted the kicker to 
elevate the ball by building, quote, a natural tee made from the soil in the immediate vicinity of the point of kickoff. And 1939 came around and they limited the height of this natural tee to three inches. Artificial tees came about in 1948 because um, turf fields started coming out about that time. And eventually in 1983, they struck the natural uh, mound rule. Um, so you can't create your own tee now. And then in 1994, that the T itself was standardized to be exactly one inch in elevation. And since we use a regulated T uh, that the ball sits inside of, the NFL, I, I, I don't disagree with you, Mike, um, but I think it needs to be one thing or another. Either use the T as it's supposed to be used, which I think is what the rule is trying to get at. I'm pretty sure high school and college both have a rule that says if you use the T, you have to use it in the manner in which it was uh, intended to be used um but the nfl doesn't have this this uh that restriction on it right and that and and that's what i'm saying it's um i have no problem with the nfl um saying or changing the rules to say um to say you've got to use the t in the way it was intended but they don't have that right to me the the way to right to me, they can do this, right? If the rules don't say you can't, you can do it. You can not like it, but then it's a problem with the rules. So fix the rules. Don't make up something just because you don't like what happened. That's what I view this as. I 100% agree. This should be a rule change in the offseason, not something Absolutely. they cobble together. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Yes. yes. I was just going to chime in and say this. So I can't take the credit for this, but Pat McAfee, uh, I, I just send out two leaks links and whichever one we decide we might post one of them and give credit to him but he broke this down saying that they checked it out they verified they did, in the yes. rule book that this is not currently illegal let me sit let me finish they let me finish let me finish hold on so they asked the league and the league said okay but the league issued a memo saying ah Nope, can't do that. You found a loophole and we don't like that, so you can't do that. But no, this should have been something that they fixed in the offseason because as the rules are currently written and stated, this is not illegal. I'm also curious if there are any factual statistical evidence backing up that this is some kind of game-breaking advantage that, you know, benefited them i don't know if it's a game-breaking advantage so the way that pat mcafee broke this down and i i really paid attention to this because when i initially saw the first video from him it really caught my attention so i will correct one thing that mike said the the reason why they are raising the football and gaining elevation off of the tee is not to boot it further it is to gain more hang time on the kick so that you boot it to the five or one yard line Similar to a punt, more hang time gives your guys more time to run down the field and tackle the opposing team inside the fifth, like it really inside the 20 yard line. So you're gaining an advantage in field position. Now, teams can have a way around this. You can fair catch the ball, right? On nope, a kickoff? No, not in the NFL. No, that's college. Oh, so there it is. There is your game changing thing is if you're not in the end zone, you either have to take the risk and let it bounce and roll into the end zone. Or you have to field it and then try and make the best of it. But at that point, with more hang time, your kick coverage is going to get down the field faster and you're going to stop them at a 
like more often inside the 20 yard line, if not inside the 15. If anything, you might even be at a mild disadvantage since you're down a guy to, to go downfield. Right, you do only have ten got nine guys really on downfield because the kicker do doesn't put, run. You put your fastest yeah. person on the tee as the tee holder. Uh, I don't know. I I I'm in agreement with Mike and apparently uh, Pat McAfee as well that this should be an off season change, not a yes, uh, yes. not whatever the hell the league put together. Yeah, agreed. It's weird that they acted so rapidly and against what they had said prior. When again, I'm like. Unless there is noticeably some unfair, which it's not unfair because any team could do this because it's not against the rules. Like, why do we decide to change it? It's weird to me. Yeah, it's not like secretive about it or anything. Like, that's the NFL for you. I think we're all in agreement, though, that it's silly. Yeah, I like I like weird loopholes. Me too. It's not even a loophole. It's I guess it's it's not even a idea no one thought of. Yeah. Well, that's what Pat McAfee was saying. He was like, the way that you look at the rule book. I mean, people like me could have thought of this nine, ten years ago and did this. And then this rule would have been implemented previously that we couldn't do this. Or people have thought about it, done it, and then realized they didn't like it. Or that. Also, you want more hang time, do a dropkick. You finally found one player who was able to execute it and use it to the Raiders' advantage. I don't know. But the special teams coach and all the coaches on the staff have to be like, can't don't you have to feel like that they're cheated out of it a little bit? They're like, man, we have this new great idea. And then this stupid memo comes out telling us that we must cease and desist from all of this. Guess you hang that memo up in your wall. Be like, I, I caused a new rule in the NFL. Well, <laughs> I would take pride in that. Say, just ask him to name it after you at least. Yeah. It's the Daniel Carlson rule or whoever the latest <laughs> special teams coach is. Or, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so. That was it was just an interesting thing that happened this last week or so that we wanted to talk about. But uh, maybe you all have just found that boring because we just talked about kickoffs of 10 minutes. But we'll move on to something that most of you will find slightly more interesting, and that is the accountability session of our Write That Down Prediction segment. Um, It was a very, very good and potentially a perfect um, accountability session. Um, So getting right to it, first was a prediction from me saying that I would make the fantasy football playoffs in our league, which did happen as I uh, won my game last week in the last minutes of Monday Night Football, just beating out Kyle for that seventh playoff spot. So I get a ding, 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 ding. ding, ding. I also predicted the Vikings would win the NFC North, which they clinched with their win over the Colts. So I get a ding, 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 ding. Uh, this is the one I'm not sure on. Wyatt predicted to have the best record in his work fantasy football league. Wyatt, did that happen or not? I'm going to ruin our uh, perfect session here. I did not. I ended the season second at 10 and 4. Man, you, Man, good you season, did though. good in two leagues. Uh, I know. Wild. Wow. Uh, Next year, scored, you're going to be last. <laughs> points scored in that league. I was pretty bad, though. I was uh, 1 2. I was fifth in points scored. <laughs> uh, the old Zach special, then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Zach special. I just did it in a different league. All right. Well, that means Wyatt uh, does get that one wrong. So he gets that. Nah. Nah. And Kyle had predicted that the 49ers will win the NFC West, which, as he mentioned, they did with their win over the Seahawks. So he gets a ding, 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 ding. Hey, Mike, there's another one that we what? can take off i think i i thought we might be able to i'm gonna hold off on that one i know exactly which one you're talking about kyle we'll hold off on that one until next week but does it count still wait which one isn't it over i end up on the wrong 
wrong side I, of I, luck. I, I know which one you're talking about. Yes. We'll, okay. we'll talk about that next week. Don't worry. I got it on my radar. Got it on my radar. Don't worry. Um, as for putting stuff back on to the board, um, I will get us started as I do. Um, uh, my first prediction, I, I'm believing um, in the Cyclone uh, basketball team now that uh, I've seen Trey King play. I'm going to predict that they make the NCAA tournament as an eight seed or higher. I'm going to rephrase how I have that in the document so it's less confusing. Eight or higher. Yes. I had written top eight seed in the NCAA tournament, which you could interpret as a one or two seed. Um, so I just, just clarified that out a little bit there. Mm. For what it's Triple. worth, the, yeah, the, the Bartovic says the Cyclones have about a 50-50 chance, a little over 50-50 of making the tournament at this point. Oh, I was say, it feels Triple. like a... Yeah, it's like triple home run territory triple, there. It's very long range. They could, they feel right on the border of that to me. I could see him being a six to nine seed easily. Any of those? Yeah, I mean, I could see them missing the tournament though too if somebody gets hurt or if, yeah. Anyway, I'll take a triple. That seems reasonable. Triple it is. Do anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? I do. He's still alive. He's uh, anxiously watching the Packers game right now. But his uh, prediction is he's jumping on the Lions bandwagon. He's going to predict that the Lions win out. The Lions win out. Is they play at, at Carolina, Ew, gross, against yeah. Chicago, and at Green Bay. None of those games are particularly scary. But probably like a 50-50 shot against the Bears and the Packers, right? If we, I mean, if we look at 538... Game predictions here. Oh wow, they like the they like the Lions. They give them a sixty six percent chance against the Bears, a thirty six percent chance against the Packers, and a pick them against, against the, 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 the Panthers. Yeah. Huh. So, so point five. You said point six eight against the Bears, right? Mm. To win sixty eight percent, and then thirty six yep. against the Packers, right? That that means about twelve percent. So that's a triple. But percentages. Do we do we feel that that's right? Triple. I'm alright with that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Triple it is. I was I was wavering on the double line because I have a feeling that Aaron Rodgers won't play every single game this season, but potentially, yeah. And that would make a difference for sure. Make a significantly different game at the end of the season. Yeah, but we'll say triple for now. Since I jumped on the Lions bandwagon last week, that ruined my uh, my completion of my basketball predictions that I do every year. So I've already got the men's for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, and I got the women's for the Sweet 16. I'm now going to complete that and say that the women, uh, Iowa State women's basketball team, will make it to the Elite Eight. Uh, they should. Yeah, yes. double or triple? Double. We, we gave them a double for saying they'll make the Sweet 16, for what it's worth. I think it's Feels a triple. This team seems so up and down. They'll figure it out. I don't like a double. I'm at triple, so Mike, I'm you on, have to decide. I'm on triple, too. Sorry, I Fair enough. I'm not that offended. What do you got, Kyle? 
Uh, I am going to say that the Jacksonville Jaguars will make the playoffs. Currently, they sit at a, according to 538, they sit at a 44% chance. It's not super. They would have to, they would have to win out. 44 or have the Titans lose. 44%. Yeah. A single. Agreed. But is that what it actually is when I look at 50, it? 52%, 52% against the Jets. Game by game. Say, I don't feel like it's a single. Like I know the number is, but I disagree. 72% against the Texans. <laughs> and then a 57% chance against the Titans. So if they win out, does it matter what the Titans do? No. If they win out, it does not matter. Okay, so it's all up to them. Right, but you, uh, uh, Tennessee plays Dallas, right? Which is a very, very losable game um, if yeah. you're Tennessee, especially how they've been playing. So that would mean they'd only have to win, the Jaguars would only have to win twice, assuming they beat Tennessee, and they do play Houston. So. Mm. And the Jets. This is a tough one. I'm I saying like single. A, I almost like a double here. I feel like I like a double too. All right. I appreciate. I appreciate you guys. I was like, I feel I like. Don't feel right. Number wise, I, I agree. Feel like it's a it's single, double. but I just don't feel that in my heart. Normally, I would be like, yeah, that's a single. Looking at forty-four percent, but this feels like a very weird single. Yeah, I don't know I agree, why. Which is why it's a double. Ariane's heart and my gut agree. We're gonna say a double. And Mike's mind is like, you guys are stupid. <laughs> yeah, probably. What's yeah, new, but though? who would the, the two people gave, allowed him to put a prediction up on the board that the <laughs> okay, SEC why, would why do why is up all the time? It doesn't matter. Exactly. Cut We're this. Cut it out. We're aware. No. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. <laughs> what do you got, Ariane? Moving on to my predictions. Oh, this game just started, but I'm going to predict Baker Mayfield becomes 2-0 and with the Rams tonight and beats the Packers. I believe Probably. it's a 14 and a half. The Packers are favored by 14 and a half, I think. Nah. But I can't just say, yeah, probably. Nah, Baker Mayfield is, uh, he is the best thing since, oh. I don't know, I'll come up with a football term. Yeah, 538 gives the Rams a 24% chance to win, so that's borderline double-triple territory right there. Double. I'd probably lean towards why it's just feeling Baker Mayfield. All right, I'm on the Baker Mayfield bandwagon. I think think tiebreaker. Triple here on this one. All right, that's very generous of us. We're feeling generous today, I guess. Yeah, dang, geez. Feeling it. And then I have a second prediction. Uh, getting on the women's basketball train as well. Uh, I it will mirror my one for men's basketball. The women's basketball team will get 20 wins in the regular so, season. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, let's sit down and talk about this. So Ariane's first prediction, um, contrary to what you think, Ariane, your first prediction was you already predicted that both of them would get there in one Oh, prediction. I did? did? Oh, well, let me take – I don't care then. I'll okay. take that off. Okay. I'll take it Sounds off. Sounds good. You already have Remove. one prediction. One prediction. Yep, you're good. Okay. It has been struck. Sounds can't, good. Can't figure out how to use Google Word. Just, just yeah. There you go. You got it. I got it. Well, oh, maybe it's, it's because Google you're trying Docs. to use Google Word instead yeah, of Google Docs. Up, 
with one double and four triples that concludes our write that down prediction segment which means we're at the end of the episode thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311 cast episode 204 from now until next week's episode be sure to check in with our social media pages at 8311cast on instagram and twitter Signing off for the 8311 cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!